Well, we have nine more holes to go, so how about you two fellas follow me to the 10th tee? On to the back nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of Hall of Famer Billy Casper. Two players down the middle on the tempo. Here's Brian and Bob. Well, thank you very much and welcome into the back nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio. I'm Brian Taylor. He's Bob Casper. You're listening to Real Golf Radio in year 25 of the show. Really proud of the chan- of the opportunity that we've had to do the show for this long and hope you uh, have enjoyed it as well. And if you're just new to the show, check us out, realgolfradio.com or at realgolf on X, realgolfradio on the other social channels. Found where your favorite podcasts are found. You can also hear us on SiriusXM, iHeartRadio, and other digital platforms. And our flagship station, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah. Whoo, 24, here we go. I know. Kapalua provides a wonderful opportunity to get that little golf feeling going. The juice is flowing a little bit. After some time off for those of us in seasonal areas or there's snow on the ground and the golf club's been put away for a few weeks, you start to get that little itch. You see the green grass, the blue ocean out there, and you go, mm, mm-hmm. blue golf, carpet. Golf, what about that? Let's get out and do some of that, huh? Yeah. So it's yeah. nice. They do a good job. And I'll tell you, uh, you think about what Hawaii and, and Maui and Kapalua have done over the years in showcasing their property and that beautiful part of, uh, of our country. Yeah, I'm sure there's more than more than paid for itself in the amount of tourism that goes there. And, and seeing some of the stories the Golf Channel did earlier right. this week, they need tourism to continue there in Maui to help rebuild what happened with those wildfires back in August. So, so devastating and um, so many people whose lives were lost or completely upended and destroyed. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're open for business. They want you to come out. Golf has a way of supporting those kind of things. We, we, we travel, we spend money all in the name of golf and entertainment and for good causes. And that's, that's what hopefully we can get back to when we think about PGA Tour golf and professional golf in general, rather than how much money are these top players worth? And that has become really right. the, the sticking point or the line in the sand that has divided, fractured this game for the last couple of years. Yeah, and you know, um, I was listening to Mark Rolfing talk about how important this was for this event to be played this year. And once they found out, they were excited to get off and running and take their minds off of what happened to them there in Maui in the Lahaina area. Yeah, and a lot of the players uh, doing special things this week to give back and support and things like that. Guys like Ricky Fowler with the Lahaina L on his hat. Really, really cool stuff. We'll get into it next. Plus, here from Rory McElroy right here on Real Golf Radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Welcome back to the show. It's brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort in St. George, Utah. Check out blackdesertresort.com. 2024 is a huge year for this project as this summer marks the time that the resort will open officially. Of course, the golf course has been open and operating since last uh, Memorial Day. And not only will we have the Resort Center Hotel open and all the restaurants and amenities there, but the Golf Village and those units will be open. 
to host the PGA Tours Black Desert Championship coming up as part of FedEx Cup Fall 2024. There'll be tickets available, volunteer opportunities, sponsorship opportunities, and of course, there's real estate opportunities available at blackdesertresort.com. Go to the website, sign up to get more information and how you can own a piece of this incredible resort opening this year in 24. Black Desert Resort. Dot com. All right, thanks again for joining us. Uh, again, we've been talking about some of the storylines to begin this year. And one of them that will continue to be a storyline is the framework agreement between the PIF Fund and the PGA Tour, yep. which is essentially is an extension. PIF is an extension to live. That, that there was a, a framework agreement put in place. And that agreement has uh, had a deadline. Basically, they were going to work towards some sort of uh, uh, a, a partnership or agreement. And it's pushed. it was supposed to end at the end of the year. It's now been pushed into March. So with all of that said, and John Rahm leaving to go to live golf at the end of the year, Rory McIlroy was on a podcast on Sky Sports called Stick to Football. It was a soccer podcast. He was on there with some of the guys, and they were asking him about this and what his thoughts were and thought it would be appropriate that we play this. Uh, again, courtesy of Stick to Football podcast. Here's Rory McIlroy uh, talking about some of his feelings. I was maybe a little... Um, I was probably judgmental of the guys that went at the start, and I think that was a bit of a mistake on my part because I now realize... Not everyone's in my position or in Tiger's position, and you know you you get this offer, and it's you know what do you do? It's you know we're all we all turn professional to to make a living playing the sports that we do, and um, I think that's what I realized over the last two years. I can't judge people for making that decision, and um, so if I regret anything, it was probably being too judgmental at the at the start. I think at this point with the <laughs> so this whole framework agreement and and the sort of merger news back in June, I think what happened is the tours legitimized what Liv was trying to do. So it made it made it easier for guys to, to jump. You know, John Ram's not got any of the heat that the, the first guys got for, for going. So it's made it easier for, for guys to, to jump. And I think John, you know, he's he's smart and I think he sees things coming together uh, at some point. So he's like, okay, I, you know, take a lot of upfront money. Um, which is his prerogative, he can absolutely do that. And if things come together, I'll just, you know, I'll maybe play live for a year, come back, play on the tour, and maybe play some team golf on the, on the sort of fringes. Um, so I thought it was quite, you know, it's, it's a smart business move. It's opportunistic. I think he, he sees that things will come back together. And, you know, and he's, he's in a lucky position. He's exempt for all the majors. Um, there's not one person that wouldn't want him on our Ryder Cup mm-hmm. team because of, you know, how good he is. So he was in a great position where there wasn't a ton of risk involved for, for him to go. Um, but I've, I've no problem with John going. If that's what he wants to do and he thinks that's the right decision for him and his family, then, you know, who am I to say any different at this point? Different take there from Rory McIlroy. Again, that was Rory's comments on a podcast on Sky Sports called Stick to Football. Um, a couple of things came out. He regrets judging the players early on. He yeah. mentioned the framework agreement really opened the door, legitimized players being able to go back and forth and that Liv was here to stay. And that uh, Rom was smart, opportunistic. He was in a great position with his exemptions and uh, to the majors and also feels like he's you know going to be able to be maybe integrated back onto the PGA Tour in short order. And, um, and, and at the same time, grab all that money while it was uh, being dangled in front of him. What was your thoughts on that, Bob? 
Well, I I understand totally what he was saying about um, he, he was he was probably took too harsh of a stance to begin with against the players and and what they've done, what they did as far as going to live golf. Let me but ask you. Let me stop you real quick. Do you think he okay. did? You think he took too hard of a harsh of a stance? I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. But looking back in retrospect, that's that's what he's saying. I don't think he did. Um, the reason I don't think he did is it, it was totally about the money, but yet all of them have um, come up with the corporate answers all the time. Uh, Want to play less? It's it's for my family, which the money is. Um, grow the game. They want to grow the game, that kind of thing. And so I, I, I think that's the smoke and mirrors from the whole thing. The whole thing is the money. And if, if these guys are out there to benefit and provide for their families, you know, a lot of those guys jumped because they did because and because they could. Now, will this agreement bring everybody back? That remains to be seen. Who will be suspended? Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. The lawsuit, um, all, all kinds of stuff go into this and we haven't seen it or how it's going to work out or those types of things. But, um, maybe John Rom did jump because he could see, um, the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like Rory said, you know, play live for a year, um, be integrated back into the PGA tour and do some other stuff, but it, it will definitely be interested how, the, how this all smooths out or if it does smooth out. Yeah. Basically, uh, said he wasn't taking the same kind of risk and he didn't receive the same backlash that the original players got. Now look, when right. this thing first started, exemptions to majors was huge. It's huge. Giant. But in the beginning, I don't think Rory misjudged those guys because it was a legit threat. Right to is an existential threat to their jobs, their livelihood, essentially. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I can see him having an issue with those that that jump ship with someone that was attacking their right. their tour, their entity. Right. So right. there's that. Uh, the second part of that is he seemed to lead us here. I, I'm just interested in the direction that he went with Rom, saying maybe plays for a year, then he's back and integrated and plays the, some team golf on the fringes. That was the way he yeah. put it. Is that where yeah. Liv's going to reside, is some team golf on the fringes? I don't know. It, yeah. it Interesting, kind huh? of, you know, a guy that a guy that led and, and carried the torch for the PGA Tour and used to be on the policy board but resigned his, resigned his term on the policy board, um, he probably knows a little bit more on the inside than the average person does. And so maybe that's... And uh, something showing us what could possibly be coming down the pike. Well, something's going to be coming. That's for sure. Um, yep. Something's yep. got to happen at this point. And the the framework agreement opened the door for this to happen. And I don't think there's any going. Any, there's no going back at this point. I don't think so. Yeah. No. Well, more players no. jump ship between now and then. I guess that really depends on the PGA Tour's willingness to uh, be at and the what table. Their situation is. Yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah, with so. majors and stuff. Now Phil Mickelson jumped in, and and he we'll talk about that. But he wanted to use this as an opportunity to say, "Hey, we're all coming together through this." 
I don't know that I see it the same way Phil did. I agree with Ryan on that. But nevertheless, there's two sides that are trying to legitimize their positions. And so it's easy to take what you need out of whatever context and and apply that in your favor. we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll catch up with America's favorite caddy. We still have our all-too-way-too-early major championship predictions to discuss as well. Stay tuned. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. Welcome back to Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper, 25 years talking golf with you. And for the most part, we have enjoyed the company of America's favorite caddy. There are bag rats. And then there are caddies. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is, the caddy on Real Golf Radio. I feel like I should clarify that. When I say for the most part we've enjoyed, I mean for most of those years we've been able to have the caddy on with us. I didn't mean sometimes (laughs) we don't necessarily enjoy the company of the caddy. We always enjoy the caddy. Caddy, Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year, gentlemen. And that reminds me of one of the greatest caddy firing lines of all time. And, of course, the names will be withheld to protect the innocent. But the best one, one of the best ones I ever heard is when the player looked at his caddy, who had caddied for him for many years. And he said, you know what? I'm getting tired of looking at your face. (laughs) True story. (laughs) Just like that. That's why... That's why the gallery ropes are the zone of temporary insanity. No, isn't that the truth? Yeah. How about that putt cannot be made? Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. But that didn't really get Doiggy fired. That's just, that's immediate. That's what Cuz said right away. You're fired. But he was, of course, you know. Doiggy probably got fired several hundred times. So you're telling me and he just said he got tired of looking at your face, and that was it. You're, he was done. Caddy was done. Yeah, that was about it. That's how it ended. Beautiful relationship. Well, you know what? That's a nice segue into what I wanted to talk a little bit about with you because there's been some caddy changes, as there tends to be this time of year. Uh, new season, uh, new equipment, new clothing deals, and new caddies. And uh, the most notable one, of course, is Ricky Fowler's longtime caddy who's been with Tom Kim lately. Joe Scovron is now caddying for Ludwig Aber. Go <laughs> Tell us what you know about that. I don't know much more than public information. I haven't asked Joe anything about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to report on what's been reported, it sounds like Aberg felt like he's probably going to be contending in some majors and he wanted some uh, major experience on the back. So there you have it. Would you, would you take Aberg? Would you take Aberg over Kim right now? Uh, well, as far as potential golfing success goes, uh, my money's going to be on Aberg. Yeah. Um, Tom Kim seems like a hoot to work for though. I mean, he likes to have fun. He can flat out play and you, you never know what's going to happen. Tom Kim might end up winning five majors. I mean, it's, but Aberg, Aberg looks like I haven't seen him either, either of them hit a ball in person. So I'm not real qualified on this, but 
Yeah, Aberg has a lot of like this is the next Tiger Woods type stuff going on. Um, he's really highly, super highly regarded. Um, but look, golf's a weird game. You never know what's going to end up happening over the long run. So, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big, look, Bob, have you been to Sea Island? Are you familiar with the course by chance? Um, I have not. Nope. So if anybody's been to Sea Island, think about the fifth hole on the seaside course. It's a dog leg right par par four, and it's got water all up the right, and it's a sharp dog leg. It's like an eighty degree, almost a ninety degree, and you just hit it left and have yourself anywhere from one sixty to a hundred yards, depending on how much you can cut off. And then there's a bunker fronting the green. He drove it on the green with the lead, with like a two shot lead on Saturday or Sunday. Mm. And just even making that play with a two-shot lead is like, are you kidding me? And But he actually put the ball on the green, on the putting surface. And it's, it's kind of like the drive on Bay Hill at number six. It's not that extreme, not that much of a carry, but it's kind of like that. And, like, do you, you do that with a, with a two- or three-shot lead? Are you kidding me? I mean, wow. Yeah. And he's just, he, shot, he shot 122 on the weekend. I mean, there's lots of, uh, granted, there are a lot of people who can shoot 122 on the weekend. Lots of them. Hundreds and hundreds of them. Thousands. Wow. Whoa. But whoa. He did it, thousands? But he did it for, he did it, he, well, tens of thousands of people can shoot 122. No. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, well, for, for a two-day He's not saying for two, two rounds. He's saying <laughs> oh, for yeah, 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 yeah. 122. No, that, that's the little, that's the important part. It was for two days, not one. Nobody <laughs> 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 122. You don't shoot 122? Are you kidding me? I was going to oh. say, that list is very small, and you were like <laughs> extending it out pretty far. Like, where are we going with this? <laughs> well, there are tens of thousands of people who can shoot 122. Yes. On a weekend. There are. Yeah, on a weekend, yeah. Yeah. And a weekend round of golf yeah. at their local muni. I got you. Okay. I'm so, Ludverb Aberg is, is 29th currently in world golf rankings. He started the year last year like – around 3000th and he's 29th right now. He was, he was playing collegiate golf last year in the spring and turned pro played at Texas tech turned pro. And now he's 29th in the world. So I think his upside is huge. Yeah. That seems like a pretty good bet. Yeah. Do you think my world rankings changed since my Hogan tour appearance in the Buffalo open in 1998? one or two or whatever, whenever it was. Do you think it's changed? I fired an 81-77, I believe, maybe 76. That second round may have been better than I thought. But do you think my world – I think I've gone down significantly in world rankings since then. That was my last event um, as far as the PGA Tour or minor leagues go. Well, only because time, right? Time, time's not on your side there. As as certain tournaments pass and years pass, right. you know. But otherwise, yeah, I'm sure you're pretty much right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Every two I years, you drop lower. Know. Can we Google that? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I just, I yeah. just did. The caddy is listed caddy in the top right in the top six hundred. You're, you're okay. You're still there. there. Okay. Good. Good. That's yeah. good enough. Yeah. I feel better now. Yeah. 
You, know, you don't have to hit a shot. I mean, it's just the reputation alone keeps you inside the top 600, so you're good. That's right. Yeah. That's right. A couple other changes, Caddy. Tom Kim, of course, needed a caddy, so he picked up uh, Dan, is it Perot? Dan Perot, is that how you say that? Caddy. I'm sorry, the leaf blower is distracting me here. Okay. Um, P-A-R-R-A-T-T. I didn't know if it was Parrot, Parrot. Anyway, he's recently been with KH Lee, Ben On. Uh, before that, Alex Noren, Robert Carlson. I don't know if you know this guy, but... That's who Tom Kim picked up. Um, I I do a little bit. So, yeah. And then, of course, we have the, the, the Tesori. Yeah, uh, that's where I was yeah. going next. The Tesori thing is, is interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we do we know who's who's working for, for Cameron yet? Yeah, we know? some guy named Wayne DeHaas. Wayne DeHaas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, do not, I do not know Lane DeHaas. Wayne, yeah. I know Lane. Yeah, Wayne. No, Wayne with a W. Hopefully. Oh, Wayne. Yeah, Wayne DeHaas. Oh. Not Wayne Odrano. Not Wayne Odrano. I might know Wayne. Maybe I know Wayne. You know, that this is one of the things. So the, the last time I caddied on tour was 2015. That's a long time ago. There's been so much turnover. You, it's, it's, it's really shocking how much turnover there is in just, you know, two or three years. It really turns over a lot. Yeah. But you've always got your standards as far as, you know, the guys that consistent like Teddy and and Paul Tesori and Joe LaCava and you got oh, those yeah. guys that have been around a long time. Lifers, we call them. And of course you meant Lifer. to include Fluff in that. He's the out he's the uh consummate lifer. Oh, there's Pete Pete Bender. Pete still I don't think Pete still might be doing some champions tour stuff, but he's in his seventies. And uh, Andy Martinez, of course, he's still out there. Yeah, there. I'm sure Andy's still doing a few. Andy, Andy, Andy will do. He's in such good shape. You know, he plays tennis all the time. And Andy's in his seventies now. For those who need a little update on Andy, was Johnny Miller's caddy. Yeah, in his heyday, um, quite a bit worked for Johnny. And, Gave the yards and half yards and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. By the and way, that it's a was uh, they were really good yardage books like yours. That's right. That's right. That's right. By the way, Paul Tesori is carrying Brendan Todd's bag this week. Brendan Todd. Yep. Yeah, Brendan Todd's a, he's one of those guys who just decides to win every once in a while. It's like out of nowhere. Okay, I'm going to win. I don't want to win or two tournaments. Let's go. Oh. He had one of the most awesome shots at the Players' Championship one year on 17. You can definitely Google it and see it. And uh, let's just say there's an island way to the right and way short of the green. With the tree on it. With the tree on it. And he either almost put it on the island or did. And his reaction was priceless. He just, I mean... You just got to laugh at that one, right? Yeah, what can you do? This is the second one we've Googled. Uh, earlier in the show, we were Googling uh, Thomas LeVay when he picked up Ernie Els after the playoff that Ernie Els won at the Open Championship back in uh, 2002, I think we decided it was. Do you remember that celebration? Thomas LeVay. Literally, um, Thomas LeVay that stands about 5'5", five, five, picked up Big Ernie. Oh, I know. Trust me, I know Thomas LeVay. I had an experience uh, 
in the Ryder Cup with Thomas LeVay on the final day in singles. Mm. And it didn't turn out as well as I would have liked. Yeah. Are you, you going nice to share that? Are you going to share that story? Guy. Well, th- this is, this is, this is okay. So this is, I don't know if I should reveal this information because it could come back to haunt me, but Oakland Hills were on the final hole. And I think the match is tied or we're one down. Don't remember. And as we're walking, we're in the fairway and my player's setting up to hit his shot and the crowd starts singing the Olay song in the 18th bleachers because Dave, somebody's made a putt to secure the victory. And Sergio comes sprinting right across the green, right down the center of the fairway as my player's setting up to hit his shot. Yeah. And he has to back off and Sergio's jumping up and down like he thinks he's back at Medina as a 16-year-old or how old, 14, how old was he, 12 at my time? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, nine. he's jumping up and down, running to, to hug Thomas LeVay. And ever since then, I just, the Olay, the Olay song, as the kids nowadays would say, triggers me. Mm. It triggers me. It sends me in a deep state of psychological distress, basically. And I can't get over it. That's the same event so that I became I, dis- yeah. distressed by the Olay song. But you've yeah. got Olay mm-hmm. LeVay. Let's not, let's, let's, you got Olay LeVay. Oh, you yeah. had to throw that in there to yeah. make it just a little worse, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Just a little worse now. Olay LeVay. Olay yeah. LeVay. That's all we have to say. Next time we're playing a match oh, wow. against the caddy and he's got an important putt that could take some money from me, I'm going to drop Olay LeVay. Olay, Olay, Olay LeVay. Yes, good ball. Oh, boy. LeVay, LeVay. You know, that reminds me of a few more stories, but we're on a limited budget today. Hey, caddy, we've got all year. We're just starting. Oh, that's true. It's just starting. Yes, we have several minutes spent. Yeah. Okay. I would like to point out, though, that uh, this week Kapalua does provide those beautiful views. Uh, Bob and I are sitting here in Utah where it is uh, a nice little snowfall outside, as you might expect in January. So uh, having those views is spectacular. But you know what I'm excited about? I know you're out working on the West Coast Swing right now. To me, the best part about starting the new year is the West Coast Swing. I love Hawaii. Don't get me wrong. But to me, the... The sexiness of the tour schedule, what got me excited about the PGA Tour back in the day, aside from the major championships, which are obvious, is the, it was the West Coast Swing. You know, the venues, the celebrity names that were attached to them for so long, you know, that sort of history. To me, it's the most signature of all of the swings, quote unquote, that, that are on the schedule on the PGA Tour, in my opinion. What, what do you think? I love the West Coast Swing. I mean... I love it. Um, the West in the winter, there's there's nothing like Palm Desert in the winter or Scottsdale or Tucson. The beauty of Pebble, I mean, come on. I've been to Pebble like 7,000 times, and every time I get to the 7th tee, I have to take a photo. I have the same photo of the 7th hole every year. I don't know. I just have to, though. I have to take it. You know, I saw Roger Staubach once throw a ball onto the green on 7. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty impressive. That's a few years ago. Just, you know. He was more known for his arm than his swing anyway, right? Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm actually, um, I have a new best friend here at PGA West Stadium course. Uh, that would be Teddy. Teddy is the, the dog that tried to corral my golf cart yesterday. Mm. She decided that I needed to be herded. And, uh, yeah, so she's, she's, she's enough, my new friend out here. So 
yeah, I mean, just makes it that more, much more special, <laughs> you know? Just worked in a little little dog story in there. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know, I mean, come on. How can you not like a dog that tries to herd you like your cattle? I, now, maybe I should be anyway. Offended? We won't get yeah. into that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm starting. I am starting to use that. Okay, that's good. Nice. Hey, real quick before we let you go, we're doing our way too early predictions. Do you want to? You want to? I'm going to give you. You can answer this week, or you can punt, and we'll give you next week if you want to come back with your way too early major winner predictions for the four majors. It's way too early. I know. That's what. That's what makes it fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay, um, we're going to go. We're going to go Jordan Spieth at the Masters. Okay. okay. Okay, and so let me think now. We got Pinehurst for well, second the United would, States. Well, second's the PGA at Valhalla. Yeah, you got to understand. My brain still thinks the PGA is in August. I'm aware. Okay. Right. I, it just does. I, yeah. So, so we've got Valhalla. Ooh, Rory. Rory comes back. Did you see that stat? Did you know that Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson have won majors more recently than either Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy? But a bump. No, how about, how about that? that? Yeah, that is interesting. Isn't that something? But Rory McIlroy is going to take it at Valhalla again. He's okay. going to do it okay. again. Yep, he's going to he's going to get back there, have the good vibes. Yeah, All right. and then we're of course we're, we so we we haven't we discussed the Masters. We now we're now we're at Pinehurst. Okay. Yes. Uh, Pinehurst, let's see. I, I'm going, I'm going foreign player. And, uh, you know what? I think, I think our man Aberg does it. There. Oh, I'm wow. Gonna, I'm going to go. Ooh, yeah. First timer. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, it starts, starts to live up to all this potential billing. From Keimer to Aberg. Okay. All right. Well, we had, you know, we, we've had, we've had a few foreign guys win at Pinehurst. So, you know. We've got Germany. We've got New Zealand. Yeah. So yep, yep. Michael Campbell. Yeah. Yep. Martin right. Timer. Okay. Okay. And then uh, the, o- open. the Open Championship. Yeah. Royal Troon. Uh, what? Oh, Tadine. I played Troon once. I hurt my finger there on the first hole and I shot out of the rough. Tadine. It was like 37 degrees and, the, and everybody's playing like it's just another day. It was in late October. Troon's pretty cool. Yeah. I like Troon. Um, Tallinn. That was Tallinn. the site of the Phil Mickelson Stenson yes. battle of the yes. last time they played Putting, in 2016. When they beat everybody by Watson and Nicholas type Turnberry numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's that your was, last winners. Here's awesome. your last. Uh, well, here's your winners. There, Arthur Havers in 1923. Bobby Locke hmm. in 1950. Arnold Palmer in 62. Weiskopf in 73. Uh, Watson in 82, Kalkovecchia in 89, Leonard, Hamilton, and Stenson uh, more recently. Wow. So it's a, it's an, it's an American open championship for the most part. Yep. There's three, yes, three foreign players and six American players. Seven, hmm. six. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having trouble. It's not coming to me. Hmm. It's not coming to me for some, you know, yeah, this one's, this one's kind of hanging a little bit. It's not, I put Hovland in there okay, for that one. I have to make it, you know what? I, I'll go with your Hovland. I'll double your Hovland. All right. And I tripled yeah. it. 
Okay. All right, we're all three in on Hovland for uh, Troon. There we go. Okay, these are early picks. These are subject to. Oh, yeah. We just refer back to these and look how silly or how great they looked way out when. So, yeah, nice done. Nicely done. All right, Caddy, we got to run. We're pushing, uh, we're pushing the clock here, but always good to visit with you. Glad that you're off to a good start. And where will we find you next week, by the way? You still on the West Coast working your way? I'll be at beautiful Tory Pines. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Don't get lost La in the California. La Jolla, California. La Jolla. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Caddy. Well, I'm in, La, I'm in La Quinta right now. All right. Thank La you, Quinta, gentlemen. La Quinta. That's the Caddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's in La Quinta with Teddy, the, the sheep herding dog. Uh, we'll right. take a short break. More of the show continues next. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, thanks to the caddy for joining us there. Again, if you missed any part of it, download us where your favorite podcasts are found by searching Real Golf Radio. We're at Real Golf on X and Real Golf Radio and other social platforms. Find us on SiriusXM, iHeartRadio, and all the digital platforms, as well as our flagship station, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah. All right, um... Hey, we're coming off the caddy. Time to kind of make our way too early major championship predictions. Before we get there, player of the year was announced, and it was Scotty Scheffler once again getting the nod for player of the year. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. that were up in arms saying, yeah, it should have been John Roms. I think it was John Roms before he went to live. Would you agree or you disagree? Yeah, I, th- I think it probably would have been four wins total with the Masters. Scotty Scheffler won twice um, with uh, both elevated events, the Phoenix Open, um, and also the Players' Championship. Uh, so in 23 starts, Scotty Scheffler had 13 top five finishes, 17 top 10 finishes. Wow. And um, that's the highest mark for any of the players on tour. And then uh, he made $21 million, uh, which sets the season record um, above what he made last year, which was $14 million. So That's not including um, FedEx Cup bonuses. Yeah, exactly. And so Scotty Scheffler uh, had a phenomenal year, one early on in the year and not so much later on in the year. That's what John Rahm did as well. But Scotty Scheffler was more consistent throughout. And uh, the players on the PGA Tour are the ones that determine the vote for who it is, and they pick Scotty. And it also happened to be right in the middle of when Scheffler yeah. was winning uh, Hero and Rom was leaving. Yes. So did that sway it? Um, of course it did, right? But yeah. normally if you and I are talking, look, four wins with a major over to a two-win season is going to win every yeah. single time, right? Yeah. But it is Schiffler's a stand- scoring average also was 68.63. So to lo- lowest on tour since Tiger Woods uh, in 2009 at 68.05. It's the lowest ever since they've been keeping track of this yeah. since 1980. Yeah. Other than Tiger Woods, who did it like yes. about seven or eight times, but, yes, but crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> so yeah, and seventeen top tens. Uh, I mean, I'd take four wins and and ten top tens over two wins and seventeen top tens. But right, right. nevertheless, uh, Scotty's year was unreal, yeah. and it's just uh, it's unfortunate that he has struggled so much on the greens that cost him, you know, probably yeah. a couple more dubs out there. But yeah, uh, we'll see. He seems to have something going with the putter and. 
is uh, is playing good golf, and the guy is uh, he's a master. So uh, that yeah. that's the debate. I have no problem with Scotty Scheffler winning it. I, I absolutely think it would have been Rom, but the players aren't going to vote for somebody that looked like he was moving away from that wasn't even going to be on the tour this year when it was announced. And and I can appreciate yeah. that. So it is what it is. All right, way too early Masters uh, and major predictions, Bob. Let's let's go through it, beginning okay. with Augusta. Again, this was John Rom's Masters. And the runners-up were Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka. Who do you think it is for 2024? Well, I, you know me for the last what, how many years? Um, I've said I'm, I'm going with, I'm going with the feel-good story, and I'm saying Rory McIlroy because I want him to get his career Grand Slam. Okay, all right. Well, look, that would be a feel-good story, and everyone would yep. love to see it. Uh, I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley. I mean, look at his record: 50th, second, 17th, third. Uh, in 2019, he made 25 birdies. That ties for the second most. He followed up a missed cut in 22 with a top 10 last year, and he's fifth in scoring average last year on the PGA Tour. In fact, he and Hovland are the only two players inside that top five in scoring average that are yet to win a major championship. Xander's uh, played well for a lot of years at Augusta, and uh, I, I think he's uh, I think he's going to get it done. So that's my way to order. Let's go to the PGA. Okay. It's at Valhalla in Kentucky. I'll start with this one. Uh, maybe I've got a uh, little Kentucky woman, uh, you know, Neil Diamond <laughs> in my head. But I'm going to go with JT's Kentucky born. It's the, there at Valhalla. He's a two-time PGA champion already. So uh, JT is not going to go into the booth uh, like Kenny Perry did, his other fellow uh, native Kentuckian, when he had a chance to win the PGA championship of Valhalla. He's not going to do that, and he's going to end up picking up a third Wanamaker trophy. Wow. Okay, so I'm the feel-good story again. Jordan Spieth needs uh, the PGA Championship for his career Grand Slam, so I'm going to take Jordan Spieth. Hey, why not? There's only been six people to why? ever do that why ever, yep. so why not have two in one year? Um, yep. Let's go to the U.S. Open at Pinehurst, and I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler on this one. Ryan Ballinger made some compelling points to that fact, and uh, with the greens being as tough as they are, maybe putting isn't quite as much of a premium, and uh, obviously Scheffler's a tremendous ball striker, so... Uh, it's hard to think of Scheffler not getting a second major championship at some point in time. The guy's playing unbelievable. I'm going Scheffler. Yeah, I I picked Scotty Scheffler as well at the U.S. Open. Ball striking, hitting fairways, hitting greens. Uh, putter, we'll see how the putter works around, but because he's been working a ton on it during the offseason. And uh, so I think Scotty Scheffler is is going to be a guy that wins the U.S. Open this year. And that would be good for his resume as well. All right, the Open yep. Championship, Bob's at Royal Troon. Last time it was a shootout between Phil Mickelson and Henrik Stenson. Stenson yep. prevailed. He had shot that, uh, what, 63 in the final round. Really unbelievable stuff. Who do you like this year? I like Victor Hovland. I think he's going to be the next guy to break out of the the first time to win a major championship. And uh, and and it fits well for him to, to have it on a um, British Open, uh, European, uh, DP World Tour type golf course, uh, a Lynx golf course. And so for that reason, I am taking Victor Hovland. Yeah, I guess you and I, are, as we talked with the caddy, we're both in on this camp. It just it feels hard not to have Hovland in there somewhere right. as a winning a major championship. Doesn't mean it's going to happen this year, but from the way too early perspective, you know, the 100-foot view, Victor Hovland's a guy that looks like he should be a major champion. 
and he's in good form. He was runner-up at the PGA last year to Brooks Kepka. Let's put Victor Hovland in there for Royal Troon. Uh, pretty okay. interesting stuff. All right, we'll see. Yeah. We'll check in along the way throughout the year and see how those way too early predictions uh, either look really good or look kind of silly. So, but all those guys are going to have some some good years uh, yep. from, from where we sit at this point in time. We'll wrap up the show next. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. Welcome back, Brian and Bob with you. And again, uh, really excited to kick off our first show of 2024, marking our 25th year of golf, talking with you here on the show. And in our 25 years of golf, I'm going to take a moment throughout the the season to reflect on some of those. And I'm going to go back to the first year, Bob, 1999, the miracle at Brookline. Tom Lehman leading the charge, and he joined us the week after. And I tell you, I was bursting with uh, with pride and just with the awe to be able to talk to Tom Lehman about that miraculous win that he yeah. led the charge in on that Ryder Cup win and that Ryder Cup come from behind victory. You know, I thought it was kind of interesting. The caddy just told the story about uh, uh, Sergio running down the middle of the fairway because they had, they had won the cup. And uh, we're always known as the ugly Americans because we like to celebrate too. And those guys had a celebration there on the 17th hole or the 16th green, something like that. So, uh, yes, that was a huge one for us, and I thoroughly enjoyed that comeback of down five points and making it all the way back to win. And I'm glad you had a good relationship with Tom Lehman to be yeah. able to get him to come on and talk about that. And we've had yeah. Tom on the show many, many times over the years. Uh, really good dude. And um, that was a that was one of the, my favorite memories uh, looking back 25 years here on Real Golf Radio. Thanks again to Ryan Ballinger, who joined us, America's favorite caddy. Our producer is Dave Glauser. He's Bob Casper. I'm Brian Taylor. And thanks to you for tuning in each and every week. We're excited for this year. Appreciate you uh, coming along with us. We'll talk to you next week right here on Real Golf Radio. Thank you for listening to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Follow us on Twitter at Real Golf and join us every week on the Real Golf Radio Network.